Hello and welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. Oh, I I just love the title of this podcast now. Like it really gets me every time I say it for the podcast, when I'm talking about it in my marketing or with clients. And before we get into today's guest, who is a treat for you all, by the way, I just wanted to talk a bit about the shifts this concept is having in my work, is creating in my work, and how massive it is, this real you, real money concept. I hope that you are feeling that as you listen to the episodes and as you read my content, um, as you watch videos that I do, all of that stuff, because there is so much power in taking this approach with your business. And it's, of course, the focus of my new group coaching program, which has the same name, Real You, Real Money. Um, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to extend the invitation to those of you that listen to the podcast. And there's such a gorgeous, loyal um, group of people that listen to this podcast. Our numbers are so similar. Like, so I know that you're listening, you're waiting for these episodes week by week. Um, And I just wanted to extend the invitation to you if you're someone who is ready to step into this powerful way of doing business, this unleashing of who you really are, which is such an integral part of creating the sort of money that will support you and your business and and far beyond that as well. If that is something you're ready to step into, then pop me a DM on Instagram or book a call with me. Both links will be in the show notes. And let's chat about whether or not Real You, Real Money would be a good fit for you. And I just want you to know if it's something that is tapping at you. Um, In the episode, our guest Ruth talks about the nudge. If you're feeling that nudge about Real You, Real Money, I just really want to invite you to book a call. The What I want, the result of any call with me, um, one of those that get to know you each other calls, is not that you buy the course, it's that you end up making a decision that works for you either way. So if it's something that's happened at you, if you're not sure if it would be right for you, if you're in a position where you're not even, you know, you're nervous about making the pay commitment, any of that stuff, there's no pressure on the call. Slide into my DMs, pop into my scheduler, book a call with me, let's chat it through and see what you think. I'm going to leave you to enjoy this amazing episode with the wonderful Ruth. I hope you really enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. I am so happy. You might be able to hear my grin (laughs) as I say this, but I'm so happy to finally have today's guest on. Today, I have the brilliant Ruth Panway, who is a business coach and mentor to sensitive and ambitious humans. And we're going to dig into both of those bits in today's episode. I love the way that Ruth, and this is always a Ruth, full disclosure from the beginning, Ruth and I have worked together as client, she was the client, I was the coach for like a long time, but we actually haven't spoken for quite a while. We like DM a bit on Instagram and stuff, but this is the first time we've face to face for quite a while. So this is so lovely. But something I've always loved about Ruth, and I love the way that she has over time, you've stepped more and more into this, and it's been so wonderful to watch, is the way that you straddle a number of things that society says we're not meant to be. So you are both shy and visible. You're quiet and ambitious. Like these things, introverted. I put introverted and full of opinions as well. Like, <laughs> like you you have straddle this stuff that 
you know, we're told we're not meant to do those things. We're not meant to be both of those things. It's either or. And you so wonderfully embody these supposedly, and I say supposedly because, of course, it's absolute nonsense that we wouldn't be both of those things. But you really straddle that and just embody that way of being so beautifully. And I think for the people that see that and relate to it, it's such a permission slip, your work and the way you show up. So. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely, Ray. It's true, though. So it's a delicious, I wrote notes, delicious real you, real money situation where you're showing up as you in ways that supposedly contradict themselves. And it's, you know, leading you to build this flourishing, amazing business. So. My first question is always like, hello, obviously, welcome. Can you tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and how you ended up where you are? Okay, well, thank you for that lovely intro. It was had me grinning as well, so <laughs> that was nice. Okay, so what I do, is that was that the first question? Yeah. <laughs> what I do and how I ended up doing how it. How you okay. ended up doing it, yeah. I'm so distracted by those lovely words. Okay, so yeah, like you said, I'm doing coaching and mentoring for highly sensitive business owners. And the way that I ended up doing this was I accidentally started a business in the last recession, 2008, and because I couldn't get a job. And Mm -hmm. I started working online, just ended up doing some freelance writing and, you know, fell into it totally by accident, unintentionally charged an absolute pittance. It was so I was like writing like a machine, mm. um, which was not sustainable. And then obviously I realized that and had to find ways to like build it up and like build up a team and found ways to do it more sustainably. But the problem was like I was not prepared for, you know, the way that it makes you face all your feelings yeah. about yourself and who you are. And being, you know, I was quite young at the time when I started, I was 21 Mm. and an introvert didn't even know what an introvert was back then, literally. And (laughs) I didn't find out until I was 25 what an introvert was Mm. and that it was a thing. So just like navigating firstly this whole like business owner, never would have called myself a business owner back then, Mm. slash, you know, doing it my way as someone who found it uncomfortable, like I looked up to certain people because they just happened to be there and like, okay, this is how you run a business. Yeah. Yeah. And, but struggled to try to emulate them and then Mm. beat myself up for not being able to. Yeah. And anyway, long story short, I knew that I wanted to, like I figured out ways to like navigate. I I, kind of just happened to work. Like I couldn't do it that way and tried to do it my way. It actually worked. I actually made a lot of money and I think the money validated my like my ways mm-hmm. I wish I could say that I validated myself first but actually seeing the money came, come in yeah showed me you know it's possible to do it a bit differently and I knew that I wanted to support other people kind of like me but I was mm. terrified like absolutely terrified yeah so I had this goal for like years and I kept like starting a blog or like mm. going on Instagram and then deleting the account I did this a few times but then I had my son and I basically had like a breakdown <laughs> and then it just made everything it just it was a catalyst for everything like yeah the breakthrough after the breakdown so and then I started working with you and I and I remember Mm. very strongly in it must have been 2018 because after I had my son you did like a visibility course and I think it was just like it was my kind of moment where I was like you know what I've absolutely had enough of not doing this Mm. and I'm just going to do it and I just you know I, I signed up to your course and 
I went all in and I was just like, I'm going to do it even though I'm scared because it's more scary not to, to do it. You really did go all in as well. It was yeah. really amazing. It was a bit of a like, you could feel, you know, it makes me think when you said about having a breakdown after having your son as well, there's that, that it's not really a theory, but concept of post-traumatic growth, like oh, the yeah. the stuff that happens, like they talk about it with deaths. And obviously I've had a big death when I, like almost 20 years ago now, but I really relate to that thing of like something absolutely awful mm. happening, Yeah. but actually the personal growth that can happen from that doesn't negate the awfulness of what's happened, Yeah. but that it puts things in a different perspective I think yeah and you start to see what is a big deal and what isn't a big deal it fades <laughs> I think that's yeah. a really annoying thing like to a point you can hold on to parts of it but I think it does fade to an extent but it sounds like you had your own post-traumatic growth situation and yeah when you signed up to that program you you were just like it was like you just decided I'm gonna do this now like this, yeah. And I and I know that a lot of stuff came up around being visible because in your first business, you really had weren't visible at no. all. <laughs> no, right? Like not yeah. at all. Yeah. And I was I was so ashamed of like how young I was mm. and didn't want to share any opinions. Mm. I mean, I didn't even think I had opinions back then, which was just so far yeah. from the truth. But I just yeah. that was a I had a distorted view of myself. I had a profile picture that was like had a massive hat with like a shadow over my face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I did do some videos uh, every now and again, but then it was like, no, no, no. And I just didn't want to. And it, you know what? You don't have to have a business that revolves around your personality at all. But clearly, well, I, I know that I felt a disconnect between my outside and my inside. And that that disconnect was very painful. Yeah. Like not living in integrity. Yeah. Not being myself. And I really yeah. I couldn't keep doing that. And I would say, no, you're right. You don't have to have a business that revolves around your personality or kind of communicates who you are. As the majority of people, if not everyone listening to this, will be small business owners. And it's but it's much easier to have a business which you are visible in because it's an easier way to connect with people on Mm -hmm. a human level. Like if you're doing it from a like more kind of detached way, you're having to create a lot more stuff for people to connect with when they actually would just connect with you as a human, like pretty easily in the way they would in a room. So it's one of those things that you don't have to. Is it easier to? I would argue yes. Would you agree with that or would you? I do agree. I definitely agree. The only thing it's not easier is like, you know, bring out all your issues and like getting over them. (laughs) But that is the thing that I always think about that is, I want to live a life where I am fully expressed human anyway. Yes. So if I have to go through all of this crap as part of my business and like the visibility, yeah. it's not just visibility, but it's just like, you know, being myself and and honoring my desires in my business and all of this stuff. It's just really worth it. And I've yeah. started to, I think that, I don't know, I think in the past, maybe I shied away from talking about that as much because I know that it's not necessarily what people want to hear. Like it is really hard it's really hard to do the easier route in your business, which is to like build a brand around who you are. But actually, I do see it as a privilege. I really see it as a privilege. That's not to like sugarcoat it and negate like, mm. or like to, you know, the spiritual bypassing or anything like that. It is hard and it can be really confronting. And sometimes yeah. you need to take breaks from stretching. Yeah. Yes. But, but it is a privilege because this is the life I want to live and I want to be myself in my life. And for me, my business has been the vehicle for that. Yeah. 
it is glorious to me when somebody says, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Somebody says, seeing you do it makes me know that I can do it. Yeah. Like seeing you, like for you, like owning being quiet or owning being shy or, or introverted or any of those things. And for me, I don't know, all the different ways that I show up as well. Like people just being like, oh, hang on a minute. I hadn't seen somebody like you do this the way you speak the way that you like so for example one <laughs> one of my clients was like the first time I saw you on a live you were late for the live yeah. <laughs> she was like and you didn't even apologize you just made a joke of it and then carried on and, yeah. and she said at first I was like that's terrible yeah <laughs> and now she's like one of my most loyal like wonderful clients but she was just, but it was that like permission slip of like wait a minute that woman was late like how how is that okay? But like, I'm late. I'm always like, I try, but I am often late. I was a minute or two late for this, but luckily Ruth was a little, a minute later than I was. <laughs> yeah, I'm late too. <laughs> but you know, like it's those, and that's such a small ex- example of it, but that, yeah. that and, and equally, I think sharing that process, like you're absolutely right to say, it's simple. When I say it's easier, it's easier from a marketing strategy point of view, but from a personal perspective, yeah, it's so tricky to do it but equally I it's choosing your hard isn't it I would rather choose that than figuring out all the marketing strategies yeah. it feels like it's it just never ends when I can just like learn to be more okay with being myself and show up that way like that exactly. feels like work that spills into everything also it's that I call it like the nudge when you've got a nudge for something if you yeah. know that you've got a nudge that you want because this was the confusing thing for me like why on earth do I want to be a person who shares my ideas with the world when actually part of me just wants Mm. to be a loner and never talk to anyone and doesn't want to be seen in any way that not wanting to be seen thing is probably more fear and you know all the issues that get to work on the nudge is there and not listening to the nudge is really painful and it's that Anais Nin quote which is apparently not Anais Nin but I can't remember who it actually is but apparently it's misquoted but the risk to remain tight in a bud was greater than the risk it took to blossom that describes it perfectly and it's like yes it's hard to go through all this all the stuff I need to work through to be confident in myself and to show up authentically but it's harder not to do what's in my heart yeah yeah I always think of a client in mine who talks about not being yourself, being like wearing an itchy jumper mm-hmm. and that feeling of like, oh, I've got like, I'm just walking around in this jumper that is so itchy and doesn't fit me and doesn't suit me. And it hurts my skin. And you're like, skin's like almost crawling. You feel fidgety in it. And I think being in a space, showing up in a way like you, that you're the example of your old business is such a good example of like money wise yeah. is successful on paper. And we did a lot of coaching because I was coaching you when you sold that business and yes. did all of that stuff with it. Like, but, and leaving that behind was a lot to do with like, yeah, it's doing well, but it's not me. It doesn't mm-hmm. suit me. It's like an itchy jumper that I need to shed. I need to take it off. And I think, yeah, there's a lot in that. And like you say, that discomfort and more than discomfort like it's a lot there's a lot of healing a lot of trauma that comes up all sorts of things is worth it for what it releases you to be and who it releases you to be I'll tell you I love that itchy jumper analogy because especially when we talk about highly sensitive people you know yeah the I, I cannot handle the itchy jumper I cannot handle the 
the regular socks like I I'm very yeah. sensitive to what clothes I wear so I really love the analogy and I feel like I mean anyone can relate to this you don't have to identify as highly sensitive mm-hmm. but it's just not sustainable mm-hmm. it's not sustainable in the long run to like keep yeah. trying to force yourself to be okay with it yeah and that's why I mean bang on about this nearly every episode we've renamed the podcast real you real money because a lot of this is about when you're showing up as you you're able to sustain that like again you're a nice example of someone who who was making good money, but couldn't sustain. And you probably could have done, but it wasn't fun and you weren't thriving and it didn't feel like you were fully expressed. Like we can't sustain that way of doing things when we are assimilating and masking and trying to be something that we're not. Yeah. Um, So what question shall I ask first? Actually, one question I wanted to ask you is, could you just for people that might be new to the concept of a highly sensitive person, can you just kind of explain what, like how you would define that? Yes. So there is a website you can do a quiz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can't remember the exact address, but it's like highly sensitive person or something like that. So there's a quiz. It's it's like, I don't know if it's like a fully, you know, it's not like a medical thing, but I think it's, you know, it's a very commonly experienced thing and it can manifest in different ways. So you're highly sensitive to different stimulation and it can manifest in different ways. Some people are really highly sensitive to, you know, noises, sounds, smells, yes. the clothes, the feeling, bodily feelings, sensitive to the feelings of others, you know, you might yeah. describe yourself as empathic, which obviously mm-hmm. can have its roots in needing to be that way when you were younger for whatever yeah. reason with your parents. And a lot of, here's the thing, a lot of highly sensitive people I talk to, you know, like feel their feelings really deeply and like cry really easily and stuff. I am not like that. And I think that's just an adaptation where I have learned to compartmentalize my feelings mm-hmm. and not let them come to the surface so it can manif- it can look really different yeah but I think it's just for me I don't re- re- relate resonate with all of the all of the criteria but I'm really sensitive to like smells sounds textures <laughs> clothes and emotions of others really sensitive yeah. but there are, there's other things that other people might relate to but it's just really helpful for me basically when th- things just feel a lot things feel a lot and I just think that that's the simplest way to put it and I don't know what the link is between like being neurodivergent or things like that I'm really interested in that and I'm sure that there's links I was gonna say I'm sure beyond my knowledge yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's beyond my knowledge but Yeah. yeah that's that's what it is nice and how do you navigate that in your business like how does that and for your clients as well like when things feel like a lot in certain aspects, what? how do you navigate that? You have to, the thing is, the th- I think the hardest thing is trusting yourself to try things because you don't know how they're going to feel until you actually try them. So I had a lot of fear mm. about, you know, visibility, for example. Yeah. But then I ended up doing a podcast and it's like, actually, I love podcasting and I actually mm-hmm. don't think I'm that bad at it. So, but where I'm going with that is kind of like not because I do have to think in advance about how things are going to affect me. Like everyone does. All humans have to think of Mm. this. And like potentially avoiding some ways of doing things or scaling back some ways of doing things because I have a limited capacity, which is now even more complicated by like my health and stuff. But I do have to try things to know how they're going to be for me as well. So I always need to like caveat that with like, yes, I, I work my schedule around it. I, you know, set higher prices, work with fewer people because mm-hmm. it takes a lot. I mean, that's to being an introvert as well, like having yeah. a lot of conversation. And you know what? A big one is actually just, and I still this is still a work in progress, not beating myself. 
I not beating myself up because sometimes I have thoughts like, why does that per- why is that person able to go on and do a live every day, and mm. I can't do that. Yeah. And why do they seem this and I seem that? And yeah. firstly, we never know what's going on anyway. But secondly, yeah. it's accepting that we all have different personalities. We all have different needs. And I need to honor my needs, even if that is not something that someone else would have to do. Even if someone else can have like 15 clients at once, mm-hmm. I'm not any less than if I choose to have like four clients maximum. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that so much. It's so important to just sit with who we are rather than constantly be striving and I think we're conditioned to do the striving to fit ourselves into the shape of of Mm. other people we've seen as successful and instead to 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 give ourselves that space to sit with who we actually are and what actually works for us and where we feel resistance to doing things that is not just something we need to push through Sometimes it is, like you said, like, I really love what you said about, you know, I need to try stuff because I don't know. Because again, like, so for me, and I know that you know this, it's interesting we're talking about visibility so much, because if you'd said to me, how long ago now, eight years ago, seven years ago, Ray, you're going to discover that your favorite thing to do is jump on. And I actually love to do a live video with no plan. Oh my God, I love it so much. (laughs) What? And if you'd said that to me, I would have been like, that's the worst thing I can think about doing ever. Like, I don't want people to see my face. I don't like my voice without a plan. I'm going to stumble over my words. I'm not going to like, like what I, like, this is awful. I'll be mortified. And yet had I not done like, you know, just repeatedly gone live, like had a podcast, learned that my favorite things that come out my mouth are when I'm almost it's almost an out-of-body experience Mm. I don't do you get this when you're on your podcast sometimes you say Mm -hmm. stuff and you're like that is a really good point that I've never Mm -hmm. thought about before Mm -hmm. and it's almost like it's not you saying it it's the weirdest thing can I just Um, ask you something right do you have to listen back to yourself and smile oh my god you should see me it's like I'm in love with myself yeah I sit there and I can see my reflection in my phone or in my screen. And I'm like the cheesiest, like, oh, like I'm looking at my, like one of my children. Yeah. It's, do you, I I love that. Yes, I do. I do. And it feels so funny to say it and past me never, ever, ever. And I just, I kind of want to like, let's normalize smiling at what we say and our voice. And I don't know about you, but I like myself so much more now that I get to experience myself in 3D like other people Mm. do. Like now that I get to see what I'm like as a person to interact with, I think that's what I respond to and what you are responding to in yourself as well. Is that like, I just see myself and again, conditioning comes in. We've been conditioned to be these like, particularly women, these like, 2d beings almost who are just it's about you know like I remember being younger and worrying about what people would think if they saw me from a certain angle Mm. like you know when you kneel down and your thighs get bigger like Mm -hmm. what if someone sees how big my thighs are when I kneel like that Mm. oh my god but when I'm doing videos and when I'm doing podcasts and when I get to express myself in a way that just feels so what it must be like to actually be with me I feel like such a whole person the best way I can describe it yeah um, I love that yeah and and like you say if I hadn't tried it if I'd let my fears rule how I showed up 
in that space, I'd never have known, ever have known yeah. that. And it isn't even just fear. I mean, it is, but it's also this isn't for someone like me. I'm not yes. the kind of person who does X, Y, Z. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we get so, to change it. We do. <laughs> and we get to we get to change it. And we get to every one of us that steps into that space gets to be an example of, and I think I probably said this in your visibility course, because I've been saying it forever. I want Mm -hmm. the internet to look like walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Like I want it to be, you know, when I walk into my local Tesco's, there's all different types of people there, all of them. And I want that to be, and I think TikTok actually gets even closer to it than Instagram has. I agree. I totally agree. That's what I really like about TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. you get it's much less. My experience of TikTok is a much less middle class. My Instagram is very yeah. middle class, very like, and you know, obviously it's algorithm and who you know, and and it's it's quite like the sort of people I follow are talking about feminism and they're talking about social justice. And I love that. But even when TikTok with the similar sort of things that I'm interested in, it feels like it's much more like diverse, class-wise, yeah. and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Totally. Um, Okay, so when you talk, so obviously that was part of you owning who you are, was like this part of that journey was visibility. What led you, because you talk about being a coach for ambitious humans, that's one of the big things you talk about. What has been your own relationship, your own journey with your own ambitiousness? Like how did you learn to own that part of yourself? So... I mean, I love talking about this because I think, again, it comes down to like, I'm not the kind of person who X, Y, Z. I put myself in a certain box. I thought because I didn't, I thought because I couldn't do all the things I saw other people doing. And to be fair, I actually can do a lot of those things. I just thought I couldn't back then, Mm. but I had to be able to do them in my way. That, That was the problem. I wasn't doing them in my way. Anyway, I thought because I couldn't do all those things that I wasn't ambitious, it's it's so it sounds so simple and obvious, but I just had this moment where I realized I'm so ambitious, but I don't necessarily shout about it all the time, although I probably do now, to be fair, because <laughs> it's my job, <laughs> part of my job. I'm really ambitious and it's okay that I'm really internally motivated and it might not look the same as everyone else, and I can be an introvert. It it, it when I'm saying it, it almost sounds ridiculous that I didn't think these things could be both true. But yeah. it was definitely my experience that I felt like, oh, I can't do it the way everyone else is doing it. Therefore, I must not want it enough. Or, you know, I am not like super sociable and outgoing and confident. Therefore, I must not be ambitious. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, but that is how I experienced it. And I know that I was doing like journaling with myself. I was having a business meeting with myself, which I call it. And I literally just journaling on like, well, what, it, what, it, what how do I experience this? Like, what's true about me and I was just journaling on all of this stuff and this phrase came to me quietly ambitious and I was like oh my god that's it and when I started talking about that the feedback I got was like people were like oh my god I resonate so much with that and I was like I knew that I had hit on something yeah which is firstly amazing because you know it's a bit like TikTok as well like everything is on TikTok like every weird thing you think yeah. is like personality just about you it's like someone else on TikTok is like normalizing it it's like oh my god <laughs> not just me (laughs) sometimes they're normalizing too far I do want to say that it's okay to keep some stuff to yourself like yes yes. some of the stuff oh my god that I've seen I'm like really people (laughs) 
yeah mostly I love it I love to have that stuff normalized yeah yeah and it's just it was great to have that feedback from others to normalize it for myself although I already knew that it was true about myself but yeah it seemed to be a thing yeah and I wouldn't actually I always say this now when people ask me about it I wouldn't really use the word quietly in front of it anymore I just say I'm ambitious because my definition of ambition includes everything that I am already but it didn't before I had a different definition of ambition it's like it's like how we're redefining what it means to be a professional business owner you know yeah the word business owner may have used to mean something or maybe it does still mean something to certain people but we kind of changed what we see that word meaning yeah absolutely and it is that thing isn't it like I really one of the first nudges for me that told me I wanted to run my business was just this and I would now define it as ambition at -hmm. the time it was just this like I feel like I can make a lot more money I feel like I'm meant to make more money than I've ever thought of it wasn't about impact it wasn't about changing the world it was this like real quiet flame of ambition of like Mm -hmm. I think I can do that I think I can. And that was one of the big catalysts for like, okay, let's see. Let me see if I can do this. And I think, and I'd be interested in your thoughts. Okay, no, I'm going to ask you rather than tell you what I think. What do you think happens to people when they don't claim like that ambition, when they talk themselves out of it? Like what are they missing from from owning that ambition that exists inside them? Oh, what a good question. Like, I don't know why I have not. Well, I don't think I've talked about that before, but it's like, I think it's what I was saying earlier about this nudge. You're denying a part of yourself. It is literally Mm. a part of yourself. You're denying that. And Mm. it's like, I'm sure people listening can resonate with this idea. You learn something about yourself and it reframes your whole experience. Like I learned I'm an introvert, reframes my whole experience of my life. I think, oh, I recognize that actually I want this thing. And it's like, oh, okay. It it can change everything. I don't know. That's just, that's the feeling I get from it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, that, that like, it's a denying a part of yourself. It's like, we think it's optional. Like I can just pick up that ambition or I cannot, like, it's not, it, it, it won't impact me if I don't, but I think it does impact you mm-hmm. to, deny those parts of yourself and because often and I think we would both relate to this especially from what you've said it's because we don't believe we're capable of it we don't believe it's possible for us that this thing that we really quite often and you're right I totally get what you say about the quietly thing but also I do think it can be quite quiet for people when it's been so like repressed no absolutely I I just want to say it's been like shat on, hasn't it? It's just been like, yeah. well. It's, in my experience with myself and with my clients, a lot of us, there's there's layers to recognising it. A lot of us mm-hmm. don't even know it's there. Or like we don't even allow our, our minds to go there. Yeah. Part of that, well, a lot of it probably is self-protection, either disappointing ourselves yeah. or, you know, protection from actually trying and being rubbish and failing mm-hmm. and making embarrassment of yourself, which, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I know that, yeah, it is really quiet in that sense. Like you have to mm-hmm. unlearn things about yourself to even hear it in the first place sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to trust it like a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and like move with it. Like, And I think that's what you're saying about trying stuff that you might find that you actually love. 
in the end, even though you're, and I think that's when it gets so interesting, that difference between instinct and intuition. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. your instinct is to protect yourself, Mm -hmm. but your intuition is guiding you into a space that instinctively feels a bit big and scary. Yeah. Reality is just expansive and eventually amazing. I mean, I reckon there's going to be amazingness and like murkiness alongside. (laughs) (laughs) Very rarely a straight path. But yeah, I'm just saying about about the intuition piece, like if you I mean, certainly my experience as a sensitive person is like, you know, when I was younger, you're too sensitive. Stop Mm. being so sensitive. So I learned to not trust my own feelings, which is part of trusting my intuition. And I think a lot of us have had experiences like that in the past where part of us has been shut down. It's been too much or it's been not enough. We shut that part off. So so even it's a whole practice to even learn to listen Mm. to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a and practice, I think, is the right word for many reasons, because I think it does take so much time. So changing things, because we've already been talking for so long, this always oh, no. happens. <laughs> I know. But I really want to talk a little bit about, and I've turned over my question page, and I shouldn't have done. You have got a summit that is on, hopefully we are releasing this when it's on. That's yeah. our plan. So you, and it's called Selling with Soul, your summit, right? Soulful sales summit. Soulful sales. Yes, almost. So I wondered with all, all that we've talked about about highly sensitive people, about that kind of owning these different parts of ourselves. What do you think we need to like reframe about selling for people that have identified with all that you've talked about today? What do you wish? That's the question. What do you wish that they knew about selling? The thing that I most wish, and I just want to say, like, there's a time and a place for talking about what ethical selling means. But for me, that is not what I'm getting at with soulful selling, although pro- there's, there's some speakers who are going to cover some of that. Mm-hmm. What I mean by soulful sales is selling in integrity with yourself. Yes. And I think that selling, obviously, we've all had bad sales experiences and we've all had pushy people or we've all been, you know, ripped off. Some of us have been scammed really badly. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's also true that selling as a whole does not have to be one way, doesn't have to be done a certain way. So soulful selling means selling in alignment with your own self, which includes your values, what yeah. you think is right or wrong, if, if you want to go down the ethical selling route, but but also your energy levels, like yeah. the, in a way that you can get behind, getting in, getting in tune with the real value that you have to offer to mitigate mm. some of that self-doubt that comes up. At yeah. times when you're putting your, you're being more visible, you know, it's mm. it's normal. So soulful selling for me is really about feeling empowered to show up, sell your stuff, talk about what you do, the value of what you do, and do it in a way that really suits all of you, including yeah. your energy levels. And I love that you like briefly alluded to ethics of stuff there as well, because I think so many people, particularly highly sensitive people, get themselves so tangled up in yeah. fears around the ethics. And I actually think ethics is such a nebulous like term. It's going to change tomorrow and the next day and the next day what we believe is or isn't ethical. I think we are like, I don't even know if we're in our teenage bit yet with what's ethical and what's not in terms of like understanding all these different varying ways that different people intersect with being sold to and all the different ways that that can impact people. But I think the the safest way to sell as ethically as you can is to do exactly what you just described is to check in with your own integrity Mm -hmm. and in what you believe today 
And so I love that because I think that it's so it it really does lead us to selling more ethically when we tune in with ourselves and what we believe. Yeah, absolutely. And there's things that I do to sell Mm. that other people listening would not do. They would not want to do. Like I do use countdown timers and I find them useful as a buyer. I do. But I get the argument for not using them. And I get that some people might not want to. I, funnily enough, Kelly Deals recently did because she does her stuff about, is it Fleb? stuff female empowerment brand lifestyle well, lifestyle brand. that's it female yeah. lifestyle empowerment <laughs> brand and she's often been very like anti-countdown timers and she put a caveat underneath one of her posts because she reuses these posts ever so often and talks about them again and like because it's such valuable work that she's done but she said about countdown timers she said neuro neurodiverse people have said to her they actually find countdown timers very helpful because it helps mm. them figure out and this is me <laughs> Me it too. helps me figure mm-hmm. out when the last day is because my brain finds that really hard. And I have to say, as a seller of stuff, it also helps me know when my own thing's ending. So I can go to my <laughs> I page. Never, I do that all the time. I never even thought about that, but I do that all the time. Oh, I've I got five it. days. Okay. <laughs> so it's really like, it's interesting. Yeah. The things that, like, I remember a little while ago, there were these like things just coming out saying like, this is not ethical. This is not ethical. And we've got to, this is why I say, I feel like we're like in our, maybe we're like, what's the word between my, one of my, my niece who's 10 is always like, I'm not a kid. I'm a tween. Tween. Like we're we're at tween ages in terms of as we grapple with what this actually looks like, but we're really in our adolescence with it, I think. And I think when we are, find ourselves really like, oh, I've got to get this right. I've got to get it right. And we get really perfectionist about it, which again is self-protection. We can get really tangled up and just not do the thing. I just want to add something. So my experience of running a soulful sales summit, Mm. I had these fears because I was like, I'm running a summit about soulful sales. People are going to judge how I am selling it. Like it is a free summit. Let me just make that clear. But there is an upgrade. And by the way, like I think it's really valuable. I also think not everyone needs to get it if if you don't want to. So I had these thoughts and stuff. It's really like I feel like I just want to be honest about that because I think that we all get tangled up in this stuff. And ultimately what I've had to come to is like, you know what? I'm curating an experience. I'm bringing together all these incredible business owners, Mm -hmm. all of which share so many values and none of which will do things exactly the same way. Yes. And I am presenting it to in a free, powerful way to people who can pick and choose what works for them and what doesn't. And hopefully even if they see something they don't agree with, they will learn something about what they want to do. And I think that I'm using my own practice here, like really focusing on, okay, well, what's the transformation on offer here? And Mm -hmm. who am I not to put this out there and to dilly dally and get caught up in like doing it perfectly? I don't know how to do it perfectly. And then maybe something I learned from this experience that I would do differently next time. I don't know. I don't know, but I've really lent on my own, Mm. um, my own it's, it's very meta basically is what I'm <laughs> it saying. always but is isn't it yeah. oh my god my money stuff yeah. is so meta yes. it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. but yeah I I totally hear you and I think it's it the focus on getting selling right which is absolutely not what you're doing with the summit and I think anyone who's got any feelings at all about selling if you feel anything but totally confident you should be signing up for it because you're going to get the upgrade, by the way, is a steal for what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the, I should say from the beginning, I'm one of the speakers, yeah. but we've also, a lot of us have contributed free offers, right? So if you, yeah. well, they're not free, if you get the upgrade, you get so much more than you're actually paying for in terms of value because you get all of our talks and you get these other offers as well. Like, so you're getting so much, but I think that what's really important is that we, 
we move towards feeling confident in our way of selling and also yes. feeling confident in our ability to hold space for our mistakes. Like yeah. a lot of this mm-hmm. is not about getting it right. Because like I said, someone's going to point out to me on a TikTok, on Instagram, in my DMs that I'm doing something that that they think I shouldn't and maybe I'm going to agree with them Yeah. next week. And I'll be like, oh, I have to do that differently. And if our focus is on getting it right all the time, you won't do a thing. It's paralyzing. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not wrong to care and it's not no. wrong to do your to do the research to an extent, but, yeah. but there's a point at which you, you don't know until yeah. you put it out there. It's the whole um, evolution is integrity thing. Like as you change, that has more integrity mm-hmm. than always striving to get it right. Yeah, I love that. So just I just want to like clarify the summit is free, but if you're listening to this when it's already started, you like get in now because you're going to be able to watch them for free each day they're happening but then they're coming down unless you get the upgrade so I'm just yeah. being totally up for, yeah. for anyone yeah. who wants to join in and also like I said if you do decide to do the upgrade it's such a bargain it's such a bargain I'm so okay. glad I'm so glad that you <laughs> say that it makes me feel very nice <laughs> <laughs> so I normally ask three questions at the end like a quick fire round and then I'll, I'll let get you to tell people where they can find you so my three questions at the end are always finish this sentence for me money is I think that money is like a vehicle to more full self-expression and that is amazing that is amazing absolutely I love that have you read any books like fiction business recipe books I don't mind that recently that you would recommend to people listening well the last book was Conjure Women Last book I read was Conjure Women. And I'm really trying. I'm really trying to read diverse, like, authors. I think I have that book. Yeah. So it's about, like, you know, the healers in, like, the slave community. and And beyond after the freedom. So I'm just, yeah, yeah. That's the last one I read. And it was very good. And I just think everyone should just read a whole diverse range of like authors it's just so brilliant like I love it it's so it's funny because I am a university I happened to be I did an English course and I took a black writing course a post-colonial literature course and modern American fiction as well and they were super diverse like obviously black writing was all black writers and post-colonial was a lot of black and Asian writers like so I got introduced to diverse reading really early and and the thing obviously that was brilliant but also what I know to be true is once you start reading a few people and this was even before algorithms algorithms make this even more true you can't help but discover more and more and more So it like gets unleashed so for me I always read really diversely because of that introduction at university to all these like amazing authors but it wasn't like I was like going I'm going to read diversity it just became my pool of writers that I read you know what I mean so yeah I I I hear you and it's it's it just makes for much more interesting reading than you know it does pale and stale genuinely old men (laughs) white pale and stale (laughs) and then my last question which is a bit of a different one if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life what would it be chips I love that you knew that one (laughs) I did I knew that one straight away any like I'll let you have some condiments would you have any mayonnaise mayonnaise yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, my husband would be with you on that I think no question on that (laughs) 
thank you so much for joining us. Can you let people know where they can find you? And also, we'll we'll obviously we'll link to the sales summit. It will be an affiliate link, everybody. But yeah. we'll link to the sales summit and yeah, let them know where they can find you. I think your link should be soulfulsalesummit.com forward slash Ray. So nice. we'll double check that, but that should so be good. your link. You know soulfulsalesummit.com forward slash Ray. You can find me on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite. I've got my podcast, Quietly Ambitious, and book I should oh, have brought up. I know, Quietly I was going to ask you about the book. Well, got, what we've talked about is really relevant to the book. Yeah. I'm also so jealous that you've done it, that you've actually written the book because I've been banging on about it for so long. I'm both jealous and very inspired. I'm going to make it happen in 2023 and use people like you. This is what we're saying. When you see other people doing yeah. it, it makes you go, oh, I can do this. I absolutely yeah. can. I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> oh, God. One day. Cool. Thank you so much, Ruth. And I... I'm sure the summit is going to go amazingly. I'm really excited to see all that comes from it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.